welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Betsy Desch, and I am joined, as always, by my sartorially conscious husband, Mm. Josh. Mm. How do you like that one? You know how to lift me up, girl. We decided, y'all, it is season six after all. Yeah, cue confetti. Um, And we decided, you know, Josh has had five seasons of adjectives for me. The guy needs a break. (laughs) Not that I could ever run out with a lady like you, but... Oh, that's sweet. So, I, you know, I I described you as sartorially conscious, Mm -hmm. which means that you enjoy uh, clothing and fashion. I do. do. Mm -hmm. So, folks, we've got a lot of wonderful things we're going to discuss, interesting topics, relevant topics for Intersect Season 6, but we thought we would start out with something completely trivial and mindless (laughs) that will hopefully just be entertaining. Yes, hopefully. So we are going to do a series throughout uh, Intersect moving forward called Intersect Throwdowns. These are going to be debates. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we already have a, did have the first one last season. I we believe. did have a debate. Yep. Football that, versus football. Yep. We debated uh, or soccer versus American football. I unfairly lost that, but hey, it's okay. the results <laughs> came in. It is what it is. <laughs> but okay, so here's the debate for today: Intersect Throwdown. Is the casualization of clothing good or bad in our society? Is the, the the fact that we have become a far more casually dressed culture good or bad? I think everybody knows what side I'm going to argue for. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to lay the foundation for why we chose this topic? Yes. And I think we've all heard this. Thanks for asking that. Mm-hmm. That the Senate, the United States Senate, just passed a rule that the dress code has been abolished for the United States Senate. So Chuck Schumer from New York is the majority leader in the Senate right now. And Chuck said that he is abolishing the dress code which has existed for time immemorial in the United States Senate. You can now, as of today, a United States Senator can walk onto the floor of the Senate wearing whatever they want. Now, Betsy, this is, it used to be, now this, there was not a law that said this. It was informal, but it was enforced that the sergeant at arms in the Senate would enforce the dress code. Mm. And so you could not come on the floor of the Senate, just dress willy nilly, however you wanted. Well, thanks to Chuck Schumer, you can now do that. You can wear whatever you want. In fact, Susan Collins who is like an 80-year-old senator from Maine, said she's going to wear a bikini. <laughs> uh, obviously, sarcastic. Good for her if she does Sarcastically. That. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but you don't know if it was sarcastic. People are, ha- people are having a field day with this. What do we make of this? Is this, you know, is this how Rome fell? <laughs> the Romans started wearing bikinis the beginning to the, of the Senate end. and everything else the follows. Out the window. I'm here to say yes. This is bad news. Now, there's a senator from Pennsylvania named John Fetterman. Have you heard about John yes. Fetterman? And apparently this is also being called the John Fetterman rule because he just quit wearing nice clothes, apparently. And I guess he got with Chuck Schumer and he said, look, I'm, I'm tired of this. He wears like an like a oversized hoodie and cargo shorts and sneakers. And he's showing up to the Senate and... The way he's been getting rid of it is he's been having one foot out of the Senate and one foot in, and they'll they'll allow you to vote. They'll allow you to vote like that. So that's how he's been voting. 
It's so ridiculous. Is with one leg in the Senate chamber, but from now on, he does not have to do that. He can wear whatever he wants. Hey, some will call him a trailblazer. So I'm here to say, boo, nay, <laughs> this is bad. Um, we're going down the tubes, Betsy. I mean, what's next? Uh, you know, Save your I, arguments. I don't even know what's next. I'm afraid of what's next. <laughs> All right. Save your arguments. I'm here to argue that this is a good thing. How so is who's this, going first? This is a good thing. This is the institution that creates the laws of the land. Well, we're going to do a classic debate. Okay. You know, we're both go going ahead. to give our opening remarks. Go ahead. Okay. okay. You go I will, first. I will give my because opening Because you're going to need all the help you can get. First. So, guys, I have several things. Um, and these are not in order of importance. They're just in the order that I thought of them. So, um, we all need to exercise more. Is that correct, Josh? Yes of or no? Of course, of course. Okay. I will never argue against that. Okay. Yes. We should all exercise more. So, it's most convenient and conducive to exercise if we've already got our athleisure on. True or false? I will go with that. Okay, you mean so, you already have your exercise clothes on so you don't have to change again. Exactly. So, okay. so here's the deal. A couple of years ago, we did a podcast on James um, Clear, Atomic Habits, the book. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he talked about when you want to build new habits, you need to make it as easy as you can. Like you need to, he called it friction. You need to remove as much friction from your routine as you can. So if you're already dressed in your exercise clothes, you are more likely to exercise because you've removed that first barrier from, um, your, from, you know, going to the gym or whatever. It's very true of me. I hate to change clothes. A lot of times if, if I don't have something, I have to have nice clothes on and I'm going to work out later. I just put them on straight out the bed. So whenever the workout happens, I'm ready and I don't have to go change because I might think of reasons that I'm not going to do that. Okay. So that's number one. I think a lot of people could relate to that though. Um, how about this uh, question or this statement? A more relaxed dress code reflects a more relaxed work culture. Don't we all want to have a more relaxed work, cult work culture? Who wants to get stressed out at work constantly? So maybe you have better teamwork because you aren't all being choked by your tie or you aren't all, your foot isn't in incredible pain by your uh, tiny little heels with the pointy toes. Um, so you, your morale may be improved. Um, you know, think of all the pants that we have that pinch your gut and you're just crabby by the end of the day. You can't wait to get home and put on something with an elastic waistband. Uh, so I think that that's something we really should consider that a more relaxed dress code makes for more relaxed people, which could mean that you have better, again, better teamwork, uh, better morale around the water cooler. Um, how about uptight people? <laughs> Can we get three cheers for some uptight people? You can't talk yet. It's okay, still my sorry. turn. Um, so here's another thing. It's a work benefit. Like let's let's put this in a work culture. It's a work benefit that costs the employer nothing, right? It makes people happy. One less thing to figure out in the morning. What outfit goes with what? What do I have to iron? You know, uh, you know, what does this blouse go with? I can't find anything that feels good and fits. Uh, you know, I, I was working in Richland too uh, for a period of time. That's our local school district here. And jeans days were so easy. You just go and you put on a pair of jeans and you find a shirt that goes, any, any shirt goes with jeans. And then you walk out the door. It's amazing. So you're saving time in the morning. Uh, it's cheaper for people who are lower income. That's just a fact. Work clothing is expensive. Uh, getting it tailored to fit you is expensive. And my final reason is that you have more freedom to express your individuality. 
Clothing's about standing out. It's not about fitting in. And you can stand out real well with a casual dress code. Uh, all suits look the same. Okay. Those are my reasons. <laughs> well done, Betsy. Well done. I want to say for our audience, first of all, I agree with a lot of what you've said. And I also want to say that I think a lot of historical dress codes have been very sexist, mm. uh, where women have been held to a ridiculous standard. And so I'm not- Aren't at, you supposed to argue your side? Yeah, yeah. But just give me some, <laughs> but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Okay. So I don't think women should be wearing skirts and have to wear dresses all the time. Uh, you know, women weren't even wearing pants until like 80 years ago. Mm. So that's crazy. Because we love pants. Who doesn't love pants? So, um, but what I want to argue is that a lot of these changes have been good, but that they've sort of kind of gone too far. Okay. They've gone out of control. Uh, we're losing something here when all we own is tights and tank tops. You mean tights? You mean like leggings? Leggings or, yeah, okay. or, or for guys, you know, um, you know, just T-shirts. We're losing something here. Does does the average guy know how to tie a bow tie anymore? Are you kidding me? No way. No, I barely, I forget every single time, but still, um, I just think some of these more formal elements are good. Now, for the first thing I want to do is I want to read to you from a professor, associate professor of history at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, who is an expert in clothing and dress throughout American history. And I want to present what I think is the best argument against my case. So instead of a straw man, have you heard this? I'm going to give the steel man. That yeah, Have you heard the steel man? Is this, this a, a new... Josh Desch invention? No, no, steel man. People talk That's about real? a steel man. Yeah, steel man is like the best argument against your argument. That's so here, confusing. So here's a steel I don't man. follow, but So here's okay. a steel man. This is what uh, <laughs> Deadre Clemente, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry to her, because I'm sorry, I didn't say your name. Oh, it's right. probably Deirdre. Yeah, Deirdre. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, sorry, Deirdre. This is what she said in one thing she wrote. She said, Americans dress casual. Why? Because clothes are freedom. Freedom to choose how we present ourselves to the world. Freedom to blur the lines between man and woman. Don't agree with that. Old and young, rich and poor. The rise of casual style directly undermined millennia old rules that dictated noticeable luxury for the rich and functioning work clothes for the poor. Until a little more than a century ago, there were very few ways to disguise your social class. You wore it literally on your sleeve. Today, CEOs wear sandals to work, and white suburban kids tweak their L.A. Raiders hat a little too far to the side. Compliments uh, of global capitalism, the clothing market is flooded with options to mix and match and create a personal style. So, mm. I want to say I agree with a lot of what she's saying. Clothing used to be, a lot of it was about how much money you had, about your social class, and now clothing has created uh, freedom. Uh, it's about freedom. It's about personal style. And that's all well and good. However, things are getting out of control, Betsy. <laughs> I mean, are we still going to have belts in 20 years? Or is everything going to be elastic? Why would... Well, Listen, I'll let you talk. We are, are, is, is anybody still going to own a necktie? Do people, are people still going to know what cufflinks are? Is anybody ever going to still wear leather shoes? I'm, I'm representing mostly the guys here. There was something that was great about 
the, the homogeneous, homogeneous nature of the way that guys used to dress. I really have to represent the guys. I can't speak to ladies because I, I do think a lot of the changes for ladies have been wonderful. But listen to this. Um, this is from an article that says, What We Lose When We Loosen Dress Codes. That simple dark suit with pants, jacket, and a collared shirt was launched in the 19th century as a tire for a new class of male office workers patterned after the so sober, unadorned garb of clergymen. And it talks about how it gave guys this standard. It gave guys a uniform to wear. They said, okay, this is what I wear when I leave the house. This is how I look professional. A lot of people talk about how uh, if you go back and you look at pictures, people, do you know people wore suits and ties to sporting events, to like football games, baseball games? They warmed, they got dressed up to go to the doctor. They got dressed up to go out. Do we lose something when every time we go out, it doesn't matter where uh, the way that we look? I think we're losing something here. Another thing is our dress codes, and this is uh, also from the same New York Times article. And if the New York Times is defending it, good night, what does that tell you? <laughs> Even the New York Times thinks you should have to wear a collar every now and then. Finally, dress codes are a marker of social, national, professional, or philosophical, com philosophical commonality. They bespeak shared ideals of training, membership in a group. This is why sports teams and the military wear uniforms, why medical professionals wear white coats. Business attire may not be uniform exactly, but it does serve a similar function. So uh, basically what's happened is there's really interesting – Casual Fridays were introduced in the 90s, uh, maybe the late 80s, but really in the 90s. And then once they were introduced, Casual Friday was the proverbial foot in the door that blew up all standards of dress at work, or a lot of them. And nowadays, who even knows? Do guys even know what business casual is? No guy knows what that is. Okay, we don't even know. But... I think that there's something lost when we don't occasionally dress up. Here's the thing. We need to still have a society where we dress up for certain occasions. I think we lose something when we say, hey, honey, let's go on a date. And you never change out of those loafers in that sweaty workout shirt you got on. Uh, I think that there's something that's lost there. And that we shouldn't get so casual. And the other thing is, clothes do say something about the institution that you're representing. So think about the Senate. The Senate, that these people are supposed to be the grown-ups. Mm. They're making the laws of our country. Do you want a country where people can just dress up however they want in the United States Senate and make really important decisions which affect the entire country? Some people say, yeah, that's not a big deal. Uh, but... I wonder, what does that say about the institution uh, and the respect that we have for the institution if people dress that way? Something else that someone brought up, and I'm almost done, God, but um, some, some interesting arguments on, um, on allowing people to wear whatever they want. What a, and it talks about this. First of all, it says women will not be taken seriously. Um, would women in the Senate in sweatshirts, sweatshirts, yoga pants, or a tennis skirt be taken seriously? So there's the, there's the uh, bias against women, which mm. is not right, but it's still probably there. And then um, the other thing is, what about the inequality within the Senate workplace as a whole? 
the new freedom of dress applies to senators only, not to anyone else who works in there. Mm. In such a context, the business attire of non-senators might start looking disturbingly like waiters' uniforms at a country club. So basically, all of your lackeys, all of these powerful Senate's lackeys, are still wearing suits and nice clothes while they can run around in hoodies if they want. I don't like it, Betsy. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm just going to respond to a couple things that you said. And, you know, this is really, uh, again, we're going to ask our producer, Billy Grooms, to jump in here and, and make a judgment about who won. No, so, I'm not done yet, but anyway, yeah. Well, you know, so I'm just going to make a couple comments. You said, in 20 years, will we not even have a belt? Will it all be elastic? And I'm here to say, why does it matter? Why do you care if people have belts on? If their pants don't fall down, what does it matter? No one is saying you can come into the Senate with no pants. It's Why just, not? Why can't you just come in with just a well, shirt? Well, it's probably a very... <laughs> I would think there's probably a very basic dress code at this point. I think people have common sense. They know that they have to have something on. But you want to retain these relics. It's like, you know, eventually the people in the... People in the U.S. Senate probably wore those white wigs at one point. You know, those crazy wigs that yeah, look like... Did like Twinkies or whatever. You know, people used to wear those. So by at some point, they stopped wearing the wigs. Did the world stop turning? Did, you know, did everything fall apart? Those people at that time were probably saying, oh no, the wig dress code is gone. I c- we're looking at natural hair. I don't know what's going to happen. Everything is going to stop, you know. And, and look, we're still here. So it's just an example to say, you know, you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Well, maybe it's not falling. Maybe it is. <laughs> I want to I wanna point you to a guy named G. Bruce Boyer, who is a famous... Yeah, you brought uh, all these fancy pants people. I I'm just do, here with common sense of the people. I had to do people. my research. He has a, a famous men's style guide for many years. And he talks about how... We used to, as a culture, have a sense of occasion, o- mm. occasion that said, this certain thing that I'm doing requires certain kind of clothing. Now, I am not here to say that it needs to go back to the 1950s because I, I think neckties in particular, let's be honest, no guy likes to wear a tie except And me. also, like wearing a suit to a sporting event, you can't I know, cheer. That's crazy. You can't, you know, you're going to spill the beer out of your baseball bat all over your suit. <laughs> Like that's Good. just not. You shouldn't be spending twenty-seven dollars on that beer anyway. <laughs> um, no, I agree. I'm not saying I wanted to go back, but I think it's gone too far. L- listen, G. Bruce Boyer. He talks about. He's written this interesting uh, article, and we'll put we'll put all of this in the show notes here. But <laughs> let me uh, let me tell you what this thing is called. What we lost in the casual re- revolution. G. Bruce Boyer from First Things. He says this. Um, He talks about occasion, and he says, By occasion, I mean an event out of the ordinary, a function other than our daily lives, an experience for which we take special care and preparation, at which we act and speak and comport ourselves differently, events which could be called ritualistic in matters of propriety and appearance. There used to be many of these events, social rituals that filled our non-working lives, weddings and funerals, going to church, restaurants, parties, and theaters. 
Meeting important people of various stripes, people who had greater social standing than we did, was an occasion for our parents and grandparents to dress up. That included going to the doctor's office when we were sick because the doctor was thought to be an important person worthy and deserving of that outward sign of respect. Now, wow. I don't want to dress up to go see the doctor, but <laughs> uh, I think his point is there was, and then he goes on to say, can an event be an occasion if there's no attempt to outwardly manifest it? I think there is something to how you look uh, that says something about how you feel about the event. Now, as a pastor, I want to be real clear. I don't care what anybody wears to church. I just want people to come to church. Mm -hmm. But personally, You're right? You're saying more the U.S. Senate. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But, but, I would, but I would say, though, personally, just for me, how I dress for church it is going to, I think that if I wore shorts and a t-shirt to church every week, for me personally, that would say something about how, what I thought about the, uh, the thing itself. So I, I, I just think I like his, his distinction of occasion. Occasions are shared public rituals in which we recognize something other than private expression. Oh, he says this. He says we have a public self and a private self. And he said that people used to uh, have a public self where that, where that meant when you went out um, and you sort of said, I'm going to humble my own personal expression right now and sort of fit in more. Mm. And now all people have is a private self that they put on display 365, 24-7. Uh, and he says, frustrated by the demands of individual expression, some have begun to yearn again for a shared and public happiness where we look more like... We all look this more of the same. So, you know, I, I'm just going to say, was that your closing statement? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I'm just going to say in my closing statement, you'll notice that um, Josh brought a lot of research, a lot of people who write articles and stuff, you know, and that's all well and good. Um, those people need to stay in business. They need to have stuff that people read, but what I would say is I'm the voice of the people. I'm the voice of someone who wants to, um, you know, not have their wardrobe, give them a headache in the morning, not, uh, you know, not go to an office lunch and then feel uncomfortable for the next three hours because your pants are too tight after you ate. You know, I, I think I speak for a lot of people and um, you may have the fancy pants researchers, but I think I've got uh, Common Joe on my side. You've got the... I just want to say one more thing. Um, <laughs> okay, listen. I agree. Um, I'm glad that almost every pair of pants is now 1% elastane or yeah, spandex. you need that stretch, Almost guys. every pair. You, good luck Oof. finding a pair of pants that doesn't have that now. So that's a good thing. But do we really want to live in a society where your preacher is wearing sweatpants uh, in the a pulpit? Lot do. A lot in, do. <laughs> in the pulpit, uh, do, do we want that? And I also want to say to all of our male listeners, if you have never owned a tailored suit that was made just for you, where a guy came with a tape measure and made it, and you put that suit on, if you don't feel like a million bucks, you're crazy. So where's the guy supposed to wear that suit to, Betsy? Do I have to wear that suit to my doctor? Because where else am I going to wear it? I would it? love for you to. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. I think we need to bring on Billy Grooms. Yes, I think, Billy, we um, leave it in your hands. 
intersect throwdown is the casualization of clothing in American society, good or bad, Billy, come and give us the a judgment. Wow. <laughs> okay, so. Billy didn't know he was going to have to do I this. I did not so. know this, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you just did what I was going to ask you to do, Josh, and that is you summarized the question that started this all. I'm going to get you to read that again. Is the casualization of clothing in American culture a good or a bad thing? Got you. Yeah. All right. So this is a debate for or against that statement. That's yes, right. it is yes. a good thing. No, it is not a good thing. That's right. So the tough job for me, having not had any chance to prepare for this, <laughs> is to separate my personal opinion on the subject from the facts and the support for the argument for or against it that have presented, been presented by the folks who have taken the various sides of this. Yes? That's right. Yes. yes. That's exactly well said, it. Well Billy. Well said. So yes. anyone who knows me knows that I embody a opinion about this. <laughs> Having at various points in my life lived in both worlds where I was dictated to daily as to what I should be wearing and then in the world where I am choosing what I wear. And there are certainly personal preferences that I have there with that. I'm trying hard to you draw the line. You must put that aside. Uh, and put that <laughs> <Yes>. aside <laughs> and just listen to the facts that have been presented. Listening to the facts that have been presented, we've seen a classic example of a emotional appeal versus a logical appeal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, stereotype of the male-female mind and the way That's we funny. make decisions, right? Some of your points, Betsy, are spot on. They are. They really are. The convenience of being able to jump up and head out to do what you need to do without looking for the proper clothing, without worrying about without what I need to do for packing the Packing a change of shoes. The ability to express yourself creatively and not be tied to the norms of what society says you should be doing or shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. are very strong they appeals. Are. Very strong. But I knew there was going to be appeals. <laughs> I sensed there was a but. And Josh brought to us, as you said, some very fancy pants. Yeah. And the arguments that he presented and the facts, the, 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 the support behind his arguments that were not from his personal opinion, but actually brought forth, here's why I think this is the way this is. So, I fall on Betsy's side personally. I would much rather be able to head out the door without thinking twice about what I'm wearing. Right. But Josh has clearly shown us that there are standards that the world expects, and that is the world we live in. Now, it changes. Senators wore white they powdered did. wigs. They did. And there was no doubt a great debate when that went away as to the Institute being severely degraded by these men burying their heads and not coming in and making decisions with powdered wigs on. So no doubt there will be a time where belts may be gone and everybody's in elastic wear sitting in floaty chairs that enable them to just float around and have robots wait on them. But <laughs> there has to be a societal norm. There doesn't have to be. We benefit from a societal norm that tells you, hey, 
this person is part of a specific group. This person represents a specific level of office. This person has brought a certain level of care to what they're doing. At the end of the day, if a guy shows up on your doorstep to take you out to a fancy dinner and he's wearing his shredded overalls, his hair's not combed, his face is caked in mud, and he says, I'm here for you, honey. Are you going to feel like he has really spent time preparing for his time for you? Is his physical appearance going to suggest that to you? For some people it may, for a lot of people it won't, because the societal norm says that people take time and care to prepare themselves physically for a specific occurrence. So with that information that, that Josh brought forward to this debate, I'm going to have to fall on his side and say it is not a good thing for the Senate to relax its dress standards for their formal proceedings. Wow. Betsy, I appreciate you. Well, good job. I'm now 2-0. and o. Billy, I'm not going to forget this. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Intersect audience. We're glad you joined us today, whether you're wearing stretchy pants or some nice tailored pants. We hope you'll join us next time. Bye-bye.